more than anything else, we have really changed in terms of what we all want and expect out of our workplace these days, what we expect out of our leaders, what we expect out of our communities. And the expectations are such that, you know, CEOs these days in fashion have a lot more to think about other than just running the day-to-day business. There's all kinds of new business models from rental and, and subscription sites. Rain Podcast. Hi, this is Nova Lorraine, and welcome to season two of Unleash Your Supernova, where we explore through storytelling exciting tips, hacks, and words of wisdom from amazing talents around the globe. And I am ready to dive in to introduce you to our newest guest, Sandra Campos, the founder of Fashion Launchpad and former CEO of Diane von Furstenberg, otherwise known as DBF. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you. Thanks so much for speaking with me today. I'm super honored to be here with you. Well, I'm excited. Can you tell? I'm like, ah, I just, I want (laughs) to, I know a little more than what our listeners know. So I'm like ready to dive in and ask you some of these questions about your newest venture into entrepreneurism and also a little bit about just the state of the fashion industry. And with all that we're going through as it relates to COVID, exploring what's next. So recently, you've decided to take that leap of faith and launch your own venture and officially become a creative entrepreneur. So how does it feel now that you're on the other side? Well, I've done this two other times in my life and my career. So this is now the third time that I have started a company or a business. The past couple of times they were with partners and one of them was a six-year term that we had for a celebrity brand management company and that we created a brand for Selena Gomez when she was 15 years old. And we had that out in Kmart stores. And that was a great teen brand with 14 different licensees and all kinds of fun stuff that, that happened there. But that was also at a time when there was no Instagram, there was no social media. There were a lot more department stores than exist today. The business was very different. There weren't as many brands. And that's You know, a lot has changed in the past 10 to 12 years in our world in general. Obviously, Airbnb, Facebook, Instagram, they're like 10 years old, right? Not Facebook, but Instagram. So a lot has changed. And with all of that, it's changed and impacted how people view fashion, what they buy, what the consumer behaviors are, what kind of designs and products get out there. There's so many more entrepreneurs that ever existed. So now when I've, you know, fast forward in terms of the number of years that I've been in in the business, I was about trying to find a way to make an impact and help an industry that is right now battling a lot of issues and a lot of challenges. There's a record number of bankruptcies. There's a record number of job losses. There are people that, you know, have lost their jobs, but are looking to reskill, to looking to potentially pivot into a different area of the industry while they may love retail or fashion or beauty, but yet they may not like exactly the discipline that they're covering. They're looking to pivot. So for all those reasons, what I've created is called Fashion Launchpad. And it is the only digital continuing education platform for these industries, retail, fashion, and beauty. And essentially, it's masterclass courses that are taught by leading executives, industry veterans, you know, founders, CEOs, creatives, daily operators, people who've done the work, who've created the brands, who, who've been there, who are still doing it, and who we can learn a lot from because there's always lessons to learn in everyone's 
past and everyone's current. And certainly the future remains to be told. Uh, but that roadmap is something that we can all create based on having more knowledge. You know, I really firmly believe that there is nothing wrong with knowing an industry inside and out. And that's what we're trying to do. Wow. And, and congratulations the third time around. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, I'm not sure if that's, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know how it is being an entrepreneur. I Definitely. Do. It's a roller coaster ride and, and it has its amazing days and it has its days where you're just stuck down on the ground. But it, that's the fun of the roller coaster ride. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and just because it's number three doesn't make it any any less tumultuous of a ride. And the highs are still those highs and the lows are still those lows. So I want to go back a little bit. And I'm really excited about what you're doing with Fashion Launchpad. You know, it's for someone um, that's extremely committed to con- continual learning. Um, actually, I just finished a grad course in mindfulness, which I oh, really enjoyed. Yeah, thanks. And I am obsessed with books. So I'm always reading something and doing guest lectures because I, I love sharing information and knowledge. So, but before we go into Fashion Launchpad, you were at DVF. Um, and I want to know is there a story that you would like to share with our listeners that? is one of your most memorable ones, something that you took from that is now um, inspiring you on this new venture? Wow. I would say that first and foremost, I was very fortunate to be able to work with Diane and to be the CEO of a company that's a female-founded, female-led organization. We were really focused on helping empower confidence in women and finding that purpose and that mission and making sure that that was instilled within the company was something that was a real challenge, but it was so gratifying to be able to work towards that and to be able to know that there was a difference and that you'd hear women's stories and as they had, they talked about the brand or how they talked about the clothing. And that's a real rewarding type of experience because after so many years, and I've had a lot of brands and they were great designers and great labels in some cases, but I wanted to have something that much more of a purpose and a mission And that was something that was incredibly inspiring to be able to learn from an individual such as herself and somebody who has been doing this for 45 years, not to mention the little, I call them her, her nuggets of wisdom that she would impart every day. So that was an incredible experience. But I think more than anything else, we have really changed in terms of what we all want and expect out of our workplace these days, what we expect out of our leaders, what we expect out of our communities. And the expectations are such that, you know, CEOs these days in fashion have a lot more to think about other than just running the day-to-day business. There's all kinds of new business models from rental and, and subscription sites and business initiatives such as sustainability, which is pretty massive because it's from everything from the fabric and the fiber all the way up to last mile delivery. So it's everything in between. So there's a lot to think about, a lot to consider, and a lot to have to change. And change is very hard for people. So I'm all about innovation and I'm all about pushing forward. And that is what I hope to do. And that's why this is really what propelled me to do this as well, because I think that we as an industry have been a little archaic. Certainly from a technology standpoint, we're not the early adopters. And I wanted to be able to put some things out there to help individuals. I did a lot of, I spent some time canvassing some people that have worked with me for me. And 
other friends and colleagues within the industry. And I heard the same thing over and over again, which was no one teaches you anything. And that sentence in and of itself was not shocking, but it was disappointing because again and again, I've heard that over the years since we stopped having training programs, since companies have not paid as much attention to investing in professional development. And for no fault of their own, it's just been the ride that we've been on in retail and the different changes that have happened. But it's time now for us to be smarter, to be more knowledgeable, to be able to take as much knowledge and and learn from others. And I think that's what's happening with all the conferences that you can go to and all the webinars and the content that you're able to get so much information from people that are doing it now, that have done it. How can you learn from each one of their experiences? And that's what we're going to do here. But it's it's more than just learning what somebody's done in their own life and their own career trajectory. It's being able to have knowledge so you can take control of your own trajectory and make sure that you're able to have as much knowledge as you can when you're going into meetings. It'll help you be a better, I believe anyway, it'll help people be better collaborators, better communicators, better cross-functional partners, and you know, just have a better understanding of what needs to get done when we're in a crisis situation in our industry right now. And we have about 100,000 store closures in a 10-year time period. You know, that's pretty massive. It is. It is. And it is sad that as an industry, the retail conglomerates have pulled away from reinvesting in their employees as it relates to education. And you finding this gap, this hole, this need that propelled you to launch Fashion Launchpad. So the I know technology is a big part of Fashion Launchpad and what it hopes to bring to the market and issues that it helps to resolve as it relates to fashion professionals staying on top of the digitization of the industry. I want you to go into a day where you had this aha moment where if you had X software or X ability to do this faster, better, greater, man, would that have saved you for that day or that project? which now, again, is part of the inspiration of, of including it as part of Fashion Launchpad. Can you think back to a moment or a day, maybe within one of your previous companies or with DVF, that really could have turned, where, did, where technology could have really turned things around for you? Well, I, I find that even today. You know, I find it all the time. And I've been such a big proponent of searching for new software, new innovation that I have spent a lot of time whether it's searching people through LinkedIn and companies, whether reading articles and finding them that way or taking the meetings and really spending a lot of time learning through what exists out there today. I'm also advising from a strategic standpoint, I'd advise several startup technology companies that are focused on fashion as well. But even, and I'll just kind of give you like like that aha day moment, which after leaving DVF, my, my world changed as it relates to my day-to-day world. I've never been busier in terms of my calendar and what I have to do. But at the same time, I don't have somebody who's managing that calendar for me. So, you know, Mm. boo-hoo, unfortunately. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that's like big world problems here. But my point is that all of a sudden, I started seeing people send across Calendly. And I was like, what is Calendly? (laughs) And, you know, you look at that and it's like just one app like Calendly one program that can help you create your own calendar that others can log on to. And it makes it so easy and it simplifies that that kind of nightmare process of where does somebody fit in and how do you fit them in? Just that alone. You know, so it's very simple things that can help your day-to-day from 
basically Slack channels to Calendly, as I mentioned, but it's also bigger things like how do you help conversion? How do you create more omni-channel cohesion? How do you create, how do you take a chat tool like Hero, which allowed our store employees when they were not working with a client to be able to go on and log on and, and help somebody who was on the website? I mean, those, that was like a huge aha, like, why wouldn't you be able to do that? It's amazing, right? And our, our teams loved it when they got used to it. And when they learned about it and were trained on how to use it, they ended up really loving it. So I think that I have those moments quite a lot when I see things <laughs> in technology. And I'm always like, wow, that makes so much sense, you know? And I just, I love that. I love that there's so much that can, that gets developed, that is innovative and that helps you from a business standpoint not only do more of what you're doing better, differently, in a more enhanced way. Yeah, no, I agree. I would say Asana and Basecamp are two platforms that we've been playing around with as it relates to project management. And they do very different things. Some things overlap, yes, but they offer benefits for different projects. And for the podcasting, Basecamp has been really great. But for just projects as it relates to Rain Magazine, Asana has been the go-to. So I get it. <laughs> I get it. Um, and before using Asana, I'm like, well, what were we doing? It was all of well, this even, email. Yeah. I mean, even think about these incredible platforms like Canva. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been I using Canva for years, years. Right. And when I discovered Canva, I was like, oh my gosh, you can create your own. Like, this is amazing for a small yeah. entrepreneur. It gives yeah. you so much access and you don't have to go out and hire that graphic designer. So you know, you can see why these companies are valued now a billion dollars and they're doing so well because you've got thousands of users. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And that is going to lead me into asking you about balance. You mentioned now that you're running Fashion Launchpad, your schedule is busier than ever. And being a mom and of three, and as a mother of four, I completely get it. So I wouldn't even have to explain how busy we are. I would love to know what tips do you have for others that are listening that are juggling parenthood, motherhood, along with either a high level position and or a business, especially a new business. What are some, some tips you can share? I go on record saying a lot that I just don't think you can have it all. I'm not a believer in being able to have it all. I do think there's balance that's different from day to day. Some days I feel very balanced, like, oh, I spent as much time as I wanted to with my kids this day. Or some days I'm like, I didn't even see them for a week. <laughs> so it really, it really does change on a day-to-day -day basis. I just yeah. don't think it's possible to say there's one way to do a balance. I think whatever makes you happy and feeling more balanced, like right now I'm pretty out of balance in my, my own regime that I used to do in the city before COVID about exercise and being able to get mm. up and my day started at 5.30 and I was like, very focused and very regimented on, on how my day would go about. But now it's kind of like, that's non-existent, <laughs> sadly. But I would also say that, you know, not only do you have to just be kind to yourself, because I don't have much of a balance in terms of turning myself on and off. Like I'm always on and mm -hmm. I'm always on thinking about work. And I've heard my kids even say, oh, she's not listening or they don't think I'm a good listener here. I do hear it, but I need to do a better job of showing them that I'm actually listening and I care more. So, you know, there's different things that you'll see at different points in time. I don't think there's one magic solution. Everyone's different and everyone's kids are different. Everyone's family lives are different. I've been a single mom for a long time. So 
I've just kind of had to say, I'm doing the best I can do and, and acknowledge that and, you know, know that my kids have turned out to be good kids and they'll see and understand one day. But I think you have to be so kind to yourself because it's so easy to be hard on yourself. I used to go to bed crying every single night saying, I'm a terrible mother. I'm a terrible mother. You know, I'm spending too much time at work. I didn't get home till 930. I didn't get to do this. I forgot my son's birthday. I forgot my this. You know, there are so many things that can happen, but you can't do it all. You just can't. So you've got to be kind to yourself about what you can do and just accept that not everything's going to be perfect. And some days you're going to spend more time in one area than the other. Yeah. No, I I like that. I like that self-forgiveness policy. And after finishing this mindfulness course and actually going through it uh, and going into it, I thought, oh, I know everything about mindfulness. Wrong. So wrong. (laughs) Learned some incredible things. And there's so much research out there about how we can enjoy the present moment. And please share. (laughs) And you're right. You know, every day is different. And so some days, like for me, this week was packed with very, very long days of editing the book I'm working on. And so I didn't see my kids a lot. And we didn't do some of the traditional things that we typically do to spend time together. And I could not feel guilty about that. But what I could do is I could let them know early enough so they could mentally prepare themselves and their schedules and their routines so they wouldn't be disappointed. I went out and bought things that would be easy to prepare for dinner that they would like and give them my schedule well in advance so they could fill those times with other things that they enjoyed. And that helped me not feel like, oh, either I'm missing out or guilty that I'm not putting in the time. Because we can't have it all. We can't do it all, I should say. And I love how you mentioned that. You pick and choose what that priority is for that day and go into it wholeheartedly and without guilt. Because I think that if you're choosing to juggle whatever it is you're juggling and you're feeling guilty about it, then what's the point, right? It doesn't feel good. Guilt can eat you up. It really can. It can. Yeah. And then it it never goes away. So you just have to be able to be confident with knowing that you're doing the best you can do. That's right. And to be present in the moment when you are doing what you're doing so you can truly enjoy those moments. Because let's be honest, entrepreneurship is a journey. Life is a journey. And it's a roller coaster. It's a marathon. And it really is about the process. It really is about those day-to-day moments. Because once we, let's say we're a runner, and we win the race or come close to winning the race or or we fell down on the way to the finish line. It's really about all those moments that led up to that point and what you're going to do afterwards. It doesn't end just because the race ended. And if you start a business and let's say the goal was to sell the business, well, life doesn't stop once you sell the business. You're on right. to the next thing. And so we are here really to evolve and grow. And our experiences are the, the tunnels or the pathways for that evolution, for that growth. And so if we're spending most of the time feeling guilty or not enjoying those moments, then we really have to take a pause and make some changes. So I love, I love the idea of forgiving yourself, not feeling guilty, creating the priorities for the day, and being okay with forgetting things and making mistakes along the way, right? That's just what life's about. So thanks for sharing that tidbit. I do get it. 
people asking, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know. I just do. So I'm truly curious how (laughs) other moms are doing it. So um, no, that's great. I love that. It's also easy to compare yourself. That's the other thing. It's always Mm -hmm. incredibly easy to say, Mm -hmm. oh, that mother looks like, because I do that all the time. I'm like, oh, she's like, wow, she's an amazing mom. Look at all the things she does. And she makes homemade cake, you know, home baked (laughs) this and that and the other. And I'm like, gosh, how does she do that? But, you know, it's like, okay, I could probably spend a little bit less time on Instagram. I might be able to spend a little bit time on less time on LinkedIn, but then I feel like I'm learning through the things that I'm doing as well. So you just have to take what your goals are and know that that's okay. Yes. So one of the things that we're doing differently for season two is we're going to switch questions and or the Q&A role. So now you are in the driver's seat. You get to ask me a few questions and then we get to go to our listeners to see what questions they have for us as well. Fantastic. I love this. First of all, I would love to know what are the top three things that you learned from the mindfulness course that you felt are the most impactful for you and for anybody else? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. I would say set the stage of your workspace where you are optimizing the time before, during, and after you work. So you can really get the most out of what you're doing while increasing your creativity and your productivity. So for example, when we are tapping into any of our senses, then we are forcing ourselves to come into the present moment. And the more senses you're actualizing, the more present you are. And so sound, touch, taste, sight, you know, all these things um, help bring you back as from wandering, your mind wandering or worrying or stressing. And so finding those songs that really put you in a good mood to listen to before working or using what's called embodiment, embodied learning and learning through movements such as walking, dancing, running, doing martial arts, any of those activities, yoga, um, doing that before you start working also helps bring you into the present moment and bringing down those cortisol levels and those stress levels. Because sometimes if we have a major project we're going to do that day, we're already feeling anxious as we get up in the morning just thinking about it. And so taking a few moments to bring down those stress levels, to calm your heart rate, to breathe more will allow you to start the day in a more productive way. And then during working, having music in the background that's known to, again, enhance creativity. There's something called 528 hertz. It's part of the Geo frequency scale. And it's known to repair our DNA. It's known to calm us and it's known to increase creativity. It's a frequency that's all around us, um, including anything that's green. (laughs) And so having that playing in the background, positioning your desk or table, wherever you're working near a window, opening the window, listening to the birds outside, working outside, taking breaks where you are going out in nature. All of these things help increase mindfulness. And then when you're done with the day, instead of jumping up from your computer and dashing to the next thing, maybe to take someone to practice or to cook dinner, take five to 10 minutes just to quiet your mind. Just sit or lay down and do nothing but breathe. That's it. And until your mind comes down, just think of relaxing positive thoughts. 
And again, you're so on, we're moving so quickly throughout the day, our minds racing, blah, 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 blah. But those few minutes of silence really is what's going to make the difference in the next thing you're doing or the next day. That's when we get the best ideas. That's when we get inspiration. And so instead of spending hours trying to resolve an issue, if you just spent a few minutes of taking a moment to be, to be still, then you can solve major problems within seconds. So those are a few things that I picked up from the class. Those are incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. Second question I have for you, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? <laughs> That's a good one. Hmm, let's see. Depends on the week, what to do. Depends <laughs> if I'm trying something new, like I was doing my 4.30 a.m., what do you call it, experiment last week. So I was going to bed. I was trying to get to bed by 10, 10.30 so I can easily, I say that in quotes, easily wake up at 4.30 in the morning. Supposedly, that's a time period when you're really creative. So yeah, it depends on what's happening for the week. But I would say normally I'm getting about five to six hours. Okay, same, same. That's interesting. I always kind of try to hear it because of course you hear over and over again, the eight hours is the most optimal sleep, but I'm like, I can't even physically sleep that long. My body <laughs> just gets up, you know, it's just up and ready to go. So I am always curious about other high performers and people who are doing so many things. So do I have one more? Can I yeah, ask you one more? Yeah, okay. it, <laughs> I didn't yeah. know if there was a set number. So do you have a habit before you go to bed or right when you wake up of making sure that you don't touch your phone or do you go to your phone right away? I put my phone, I try to put my phone away from, as far away from me as possible, but still in reach when I go to bed. And I don't look at it right away. I Typically don't have alarms set either because it's really jarring when I wake up in the morning. So I typically will have window shades open because I naturally wake up with the sunlight. And if I have to get up while it's still dark, that's when I'll typically set an alarm. But what's helped me a lot in having a more restful night's sleep and breaking the habit of going to my phone is listening to really soothing music before I go to sleep. So it could be the 528 hertz that I mentioned before, or it could be like light drumming or rainfall. And I have a salt rock lamp that actually plays different types of music. So I don't play it from my phone. I used to play it from my phone, but I don't do that anymore. And I really just try to stop and think about one question that I want to solve and just think about that question as I'm going to sleep. And yeah, and that's sort of like, takes me into sleepy land. So that's sort of my routine. I try to have some soothing music, lay still and do what's called like a lying down meditation where I'm clearing my thoughts and just focusing just on one thing that I'm curious about or something I want to solve and then go to sleep. That's really good. I'm assuming your husband's okay with all that music too. (laughs) It wasn't at first. (laughs) It wasn't at first. I had to find a volume that I could still hear the music and where he could still fall asleep. So it's really, really low, but it does make a difference. I I definitely can wake up more easily and it helps in terms of being able to get up without alarms. So, and I I sleep more soundly. So it it definitely works. Great. I'm going to have to try it. Thank you. You are welcome. And really great questions, by the way. I was like, hmm, let me think about that. I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) How many hours of sleep do I get? No. um, 
My kids are always on me about that. So I have some questions from our listeners. And the first question is, was there a time in your life that you were succumbed to someone else's opinions? And how did you find yourself again? Yes, definitely. I would say, well, there's a few things. One is I am Mexican-American. I'm first generation. I grew up with two parents who are immigrants. And I grew up in Texas at a time when I felt like I needed to fit in. I didn't necessarily look like the rest of the Mexicans that were immigrants or from my specific area. So I didn't have a lot of those stereotypes that I was fighting, but I was always kind of searching to try to fit in. And so opinions really mattered to me for a long time. And moving to New York from Texas out of college was a way for me to try to get away from that. But also, and a lot of that I'm sure was self-imposed, but you kind of come into things with your own perspective and your own perception of what others are thinking. So Mm -hmm. I moved to New York to be able to be in more of a melting pot, more diversity, have more, you know, people from all over the world, obviously. And that felt like an immediate aha. And I was able to sigh of relief, to have a sigh of relief because it felt just so much better for me. But Mm -hmm. then, you know, going into corporate America and having different people think different things, whether you came from certain means or not, or whether you have certain ideas or not. And, you know, there's definitely been times over the years when I have succumbed to hearing others' things and opinions. And at the end of the day, I think I've had to do a tremendous, and not only that, not even from a work standpoint, I've also experienced my own challenges in terms of some of the relationship choices that I've had where that I've made where that also impacted me. So I think no matter what I've had to do is I've been very focused on feeling whole in myself Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. doing a lot of kind of soul searching to just feel as confident as I can be about who I am and what I do. And again, not to perfection because I don't think that exists because I am not perfect, but I don't think that it's, it's a good thing to beat yourself up about all the things that you don't do because it's about what you do and what difference you can make. So to me, when I was able to kind of turn around and say, what am I doing for others? And a life well lived is a life lived for others. And really focusing on how I could help other people, that has been the most satisfying that I could potentially feel. And that's been now going on. And I say this, and I'm meanwhile, of course, saying that there are many years that I've had the struggle, but I would say for the past three to five years that I've focused on other people, and really helping others, whether it was people that worked for me or people that in organizations that I've been a part of, that has actually really helped me come back to myself. Wow. That's powerful. Thank you. And thanks, Maya, for that question. Yeah, that was really insightful. So thanks for sharing. And we have time for one more question. This is from Livia. How will the fashion industry change for the better due to the pandemic? think it already is changing and it will continue to change for the better in the sense that everyone has had to wake up and recognize that we've been putting out a lot of product that isn't necessary. There are companies that have been named in the media, which I won't go into, but companies that have just burned their clothing because they, millions of clothing, right? Millions Mm -hmm. of dollars worth and millions of units of clothing because they just didn't want to ruin their brand or Mm. the amount of product that goes to Africa as if they need any more clothing because we just have too much of it. And so one is 
the over inventory that we have. So Mm -hmm. inventory management that will become reduced to where we now will just hopefully focus on what we actually need and what we can sell instead of focusing on on more and more and more because we're required to sell more each year in each Mm -hmm. quarter. So that's one area. I think the second area that's going to be pretty significant is that while I wasn't even sure when this pandemic started what was going to happen to sustainability because there was so much discussion around sustainability and all the sustainable practices in every aspect of the business. Mm-hmm. Not all the companies were doing it, right? There was, there's a lot and it takes a lot to kind of go into that. But I think now it's a baseline standard and it's a requirement. Now, no one's going to be able to walk away from the responsibility that we have for the earth and the responsibility that we have for saving the earth. So whether it's through the factories and manufacturing process, whether it's through the sales aspect or, or how you get the product to the customer, like this is going to change for sure. Awesome. And this is a question from me. <laughs> With Fashion Launchpad and keeping in mind the direction that fashion is taking, will your platform be offering courses in sustainability and or inventory management? Absolutely. Inventory management is part of planning and planning is a module. Within each module, there are breakdowns of categories and breakdowns of courses. So planning is one of them and inventory management along with allocation of goods. Those are courses that will be offered. Sustainability, that's a whole separate segment that now there's sustainability in terms of fiber and fabric. There's sustainability in terms of manufacturing and ethical requirements or sustainability as it relates to logistics and operations and warehousing, their sustainability and transportation. So each one of those will have its own separate. Nice. Nice. Yes. I I love how you're addressing so many missing components that are currently needed to be addressed in the industry and doing it in a way where people can quickly and easily access the information. So again, congratulations on launching Fashion Launchpad. And so if someone wanted to get more information or access the courses, do they just go to fashionlaunchpad.com or is there? So fashionlaunchpad.com will let you sign up and subscribe for them. And then we have an early testing group that we a cohort for the initial round that we will be able to use. And then we have a wait list right now for the next set that we will be able to, to launch. So That's one area. Also on LinkedIn, we have a LinkedIn page that we will be updating frequently with different types of topics and things that we're going, information that we'll be sharing and things like that. So LinkedIn or fashionlaunchpad.com. Awesome. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. This was a lot of fun. And thank you for the stories as well that you shared with us. Today, I'm sure our listeners have taken away a lot of nuggets of information, um, as you referenced earlier. And if they wanted to continue the dialogue with you, what's the best way that they can connect with you? LinkedIn. I would always encourage, I'm a big junkie of LinkedIn, as you can see, but I would always encourage everyone to, to reach out with some sort of note on LinkedIn to say hello and to get connected in, in any way that I can be helpful. I'm always willing to do so. Perfect. And then I absolutely want to continue our conversation offline as well. So, and until next time, thank you again, listeners, for joining us on another episode of Unleash Your Supernova. This is our second season, and we are very grateful to have been nominated for an award by the New Media Film Festival for season one of Unleash Your Supernova. 
Also look for the Unleash Your Supernova book that will be released in the spring, the upcoming spring, where you can dive even deeper in how to find the tools and tips you need on surviving your journey of creative entrepreneurship, all while increasing your creativity and beating burnout. So again, tune in for a new show every two weeks for Unleash Your Supernova. We're available on all your favorite podcast platforms. And if you want to connect with me, um, find me on LinkedIn as well or Instagram at Nova by the Sea. All right, that's it for now. Until next time. And thank you again to our guest, Sandra from Fashion Launchpad.